Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good? What's good? What's good, everybody? We are back in the podcast lab after a brief hiatus due to Thanksgiving week. We took a break. I didn't tell anybody we were taking a break, though, but we took a break. We sort of just decided to <laughs> we, spur the moment. We, it's all good. Listen, man, it was like one of those things that like, okay, so like we, I was off on Monday and then Tuesday was crazy because like Tuesday, like we had to like decorate for, uh, for our Christmas stage design. And, uh, y'all, I don't know if you've seen our Christmas stage design, but Luke and Olivia killed it along with the likes of Michelle Roberts and Thomas Winborn and yours truly. Um, we also did some minor electrical work. You can just go ahead and count me and Olivia as professional electricians now. We yeah. stripped wires, reconnected yeah, man. them. I mean, I showed you guys strung up the lights. Let's do it. And so, I mean, it was, I'm telling you, like, those backlights are always, always a headache. But, man, I love, I love the way they, they look. They better stay up and running. <laughs> oh, all no, the no, way no, through they're, they're going to stay up. It's just that they're going to run. Like, that's the thing. And so, they need to. Which, we our electrical work, I mean, it's, um, straight up uh, Gadsden, Alabama technology <laughs> school. You know what I'm saying? That is yeah. led by Tyler Armstrong. Uh, but anyway, y'all, um, I mean, we're right into the thick of Christmas season. I mean, it's the first week of, it's the last week of November. Today's the last day of November, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, there is no November 31st. Um, first week of December. And so we're here. We made it. All right. So um, we're going to change it up a little bit today. Luke, what's a good movie you've watched recently? So I'm on like a post-apocalyptic kick right now. I've watched <laughs> I wonder like- why. Tons and tons oh. of movies just... Not that there's a global pandemic no, that's unprecedented right no, now that's killing not at all. You know, 2% of the population. No, not a problem. Yeah, so one of the many movies I have watched recently is called I Am Mother. It's on Netflix. It's rated PG, I believe. There's not really any coarse language or anything like that. Basically, the gist of it is this. It's post-apocalyptic Earth. Okay. Humanity has been wiped out. And there is That's this post yes. yeah, okay. There is this robot who has been tasked with repopulating the earth by raising children. Where do the children come from? They are harvested offspring of uh, mankind that have been saved with I the have goal. questions. Yes. That I'm not gonna ask on this podcast. Yes. But I have questions. I will yes. ask you later. Yes. Is it kind of like um what's it called? Interstellar? You know what I'm talking about where they have the pre-fertilized eggs? Sort of, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, because remember, okay, yes. so like, uh, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie Interstellar with Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey, incredible movie. Um, it's actually, I, I, I'm going to make the, uh, it's my favorite movie. Oh, I watch 100%. that movie all the dang time. Um, Christopher Nolan directs it. There's these, like, it's like this mission where they're trying to escape Earth. Once again, post-apocalyptic scenario. And they have pre-fertilized eggs and so mm-hmm. these huge, like, incubators that yes. will eventually create um, society. Mm-hmm. That, that's sort of the gist. It, okay, of okay. So, that, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, I just, I didn't know, like, if they just had random children that survived this no, apocalypse. No, 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 no. Like... It's human eggs that have been saved and preserved with the goal of repopulating the earth. Okay, cool. And it's this robot mother who has been given the job of raising these kids up. And it follows the story of this one girl, Hillary Swank's in the movie. She shows up towards the end. Okay. Uh, it's very good. Makes you think a little bit. It's very, like, psychologically tripping. Okay. Just thinking about how, like, this girl has been raised 
calling uh, by her, a robot. Yeah, calling her mom. Well, I mean, it, it could be accurate one day, dude. I mean, because yeah. I mean, like the way AI's going, I mean, we got Elon Musk wanting to stick USB ports in people's <laughs> brains, bro. You know what I'm saying? We're heading that way. We're heading that way. I mean, we're. I, mean, I would make the argument that we're already cyborgs. We have. I mean, like, what's the first thing we leave our house with? Cell phone that literally has all knowledge that we could ever contain. I mean, I hate it as a history teacher because, like, you're like, hey, what happened in this year? And people are like, oh, I can just Google that. Mm-hmm. Like, n- no other time in history has history been so devalued. Well, there is Tyler song. Armstrong's allegory for the state of mankind. All right. There hey, no, listen, I'm very pessimistic, bro. Let's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be honest. I'm so pessimistic. Speaking of pessimism, um, the movies I've been watching is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right. So I have made it a goal, especially now that Disney Plus is out. Now, I can't watch the Spider-Man movies because of stupid Sony, okay? Copyright reasons. Copyright reasons. It's it's stupid, okay? I can't watch, like, the good... I mean, well, X-Men movies are on there now, but Mm -hmm. they don't matter. They're not canon. Kinda. I need Logan to get added. Yeah, for real, man. That's the good one. For real, that's such a good movie. Um, But anyway, me and Ron, and now my wife just recently joined in, so we had to start over. We're watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe in timeline chronological order. It is so... Awesome. So if you're a superhero fan, I would encourage you. And they actually have a list like this on Disney+. Plus. So they have all the phases and the order that they were released. But then they have them in timeline order. It makes the movies so much more enjoyable, in my opinion. And, Absolutely. And, and it makes you wonder, well, why didn't they release them that way? Well, they had a plan, all right? That they, that they're, they're paid to think a lot higher than we are. But at the same time, it's so interesting watching how these movies like unfold. So like, um, once again, spoiler alert. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, unplug your headphones right now and just push play and let this play through, mute it. At the end of Avengers, where Loki gets, you know, arrested and, like, taken down by the Avengers, mm-hmm. the very next movie, he shows him on the planet of Asgard standing trial. Now, I'm, I don't know, I'd have to go back and look at the phase release order. It may actually be accurate. But at the same time, it makes it make much more sense as you're watching these order these right. movies in this order. I I love it. I'm a big fan. I'm going to release um, my favorites in the order of their release. I'm going to finish all the movies and then probably release some type of blog laying out my favorites of all the movies. Okay. You will not be shocked that my number one is Black Panther. Okay. Absolutely. It's the best. Especially now that we have to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman. It is the best, in my opinion, the best Marvel movie. It's so good. Some people argue with me. That's fine. A lot of people say, that movie is political. No, it's not. It's historical, man. That movie is so historical. I mean, literally, the, the, and everybody that directed it was black. The majority, the, the, like ninety nine percent of the cast was black. It's a movie about Africa. They needed to be black, and it was a, about the Black Panther, who's literally my favorite superhero. I love Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, go off that rant. What book are you reading right now, or what book would you like to recommend? So the book that I'm about to recommend, I actually haven't even opened it yet. Uh oh! But it just landed on our desk a few days ago at the recommendation of you. Mm-hmm. We, being me, Olivia, and Tyler, are going to walk through this book together as me and Olivia are sort of being trained up in how to run the student ministry here at Dwelt Street. This book is called "Fulfill Your Student Ministry: A Manifesto and Field Guide." It's by this guy. His name is. Samuel Bierg. Yeah, Berg. Berg Bierg, we we really Bierg. aren't sure how to pronounce the name. He works in Midwestern. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So, so if you need to spell the last name, it's B I E R I G 
and ap- we apologize. We're rednecks. We can't pronounce anything. Yeah, Beard. All right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really good book. Um, I've done through it. I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's going to be really good for you guys. You know, I think it's just a really good just baseline about what you need to have inside a good biblical student ministry. Yeah. Um, the book that I read that really changed mine was a Simple Student Ministry by uh, Eric Geiger. Mm-hmm. You need to pick that one up, too. I think so. you've recommended it to me yeah, before. Yeah, I think I have. And so you need to grab it. It's, yeah. it's good. And so... Um, for me, I have just recently, so I'm reading three different books right now. I'm reading um, Family Ministry by uh, Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler and um, Adam Griffin. I'm reading Lead by Paul David Tripp. We're big fans of him. And I just ordered this book. I just picked this book, a big, uh, book up. I've seen a lot of people recommend this book over the past few months. Um, and y'all, this book is like... What's a good way to put it? It's like a drink of fresh water on a hot summer day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just due to personal things that are going on, man, like, you know, I just needed to be reminded of the gospel in a lot of ways. Dude, this book is, it's phenomenal. It's called Gentle and Lowly. All right. It's a quote from my favorite, well, my favorite passage is Matthew 11, where Jesus says, you know, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, come to me. I am gentle and lowly of heart. You know, he's talking about his personality and who he is to sinners. And literally the name of the book is Gentle and Lowly, the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by none other than Dane Ortland, who is Ray Ortland's other son, who is Presbyterian. Going so, back to the Ortland family. Going back to the Ortland family. Honestly, if they'd adopt me, I may, I may consider it, all right? Like, I, I love the Ortlands, all right? And so if you stumble upon this, Ray, Dane, Gavin, don't remember their daughter's name, but she's married to a pastor too. And so, and um, dude, I mean, they're just phenomenal people, bro. Like everything they do, I love. And so, but the book is just so good, man. It reminds me of Jesus's heart for me, you know? And I think that's something that we need to be reminded of so often, especially in this life is that Jesus's heart is for us. All right. So the last time we met, as we get into today's topic, we talked about theological triage. All right, and so um, I would encourage you to go look up Albert Muller's article on this from 2005. There's that book I recommended last week by Gavin Ortland, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, A Case for Theological Triage, um, and essentially splits doctrine up into three levels. You know, essentials, um, unifying, unifying, like, what was it? It was like, you know, it was like, unifying, it was like essentials, unity, and then non-essentials. Right. All right, and so the second level is like the things that we talk about, like, you know, like gender roles, Lord's Supper, church governance. But the one we're going to talk about today, which is actually a second, is a second level issue that we're going to talk about is baptism. All right. And so now listen, we are Baptist. All right. We are 12th Street Baptist Church. We are part of the Edwa Baptist Association. We are a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest, you know, Protestant convention in the United States. Now, a lot of people say a denomination. I I struggle calling us a denomination because the way the Baptist Convention works is is that we are actually our own autonomous body. The only time the Southern Baptist Convention exists is on those two days a year when we all gather together. Mm-hmm. We don't have a pope. I don't have to answer to what J.D. Greer wants to say to me. I listen to what J.D. Greer says. I really like J.D., but I don't have to answer to what he says. All right? We make our own decisions. We are our own autonomous body, so we make our own decisions. All right, the Edwall Baptist Association is just a way for us to associate with other like-minded churches. We aren't governed by them. All right, Craig Carlisle is not the Baptist Pope. Okay, <laughs> he is our associational mission strategist. He's the guy who helps unify us, and and is kind of like the pastor for pastors, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he's good at it. But we are united 
by the gospel, but every other week we are an autonomous local body who makes our own decisions. Right. Local church autonomy. It is a Baptist distinctive and it is a good Baptist distinctive. Yes. Okay. Like we don't have bishops. We don't have those things. We have Jesus. All right. And now that's not saying that other denominations don't have Jesus and that they don't have those things. They 100% do. All right. But our Presbyterian friends, that they have the Presbyterian that they have to answer to. That it's like, a you know, elders that oversee all these other churches. And then those churches answer to the, you know, that group of churches answer to that Presbyterian. And then they go up and it goes up the ladder to, you know, a, a higher branch. Um, Baptists don't have that, you know, because what we see in the Bible is local church congregations. So now that's my local church autonomy spill. We're not talking about that. We're talking about baptism. Okay. I believe that we can trace our line directly back to John the Baptist, who is the first Baptist. I'm kidding. Yeah, just 100%. <laughs> that's not something Michael Scott would say. Oh, yes. We can yes. trace our Baptist distinct uh, lineage all the way back to. John the Baptist. The first Baptist. The first Baptist. And then Peter was the first pastor at First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. God bless him. Absolutely not. All right. So, but the reason I want to point out baptism is because that is a Baptist distinctive. So, Luke, what is baptism? Baptism for us is a process in which you show the people around you, a part of your faith family, that you are making an outward commitment of the interchange that has already yes. happened in your heart. Yes. You are making a public statement, a profession of faith, that you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, uh-huh. to follow him for the rest of your life. Okay, so let me ask you this, okay? Um, devil's advocate here. Is it necessary for salvation? No. Absolutely not. But right. it is important. Okay, this is what I—this is—okay. This it's is, not a requirement. This is what I would argue. Okay, so I'm not going to like argue against your. I think because I think you're going to agree with what I say. Okay, I think it is a requirement. All right. Because when you follow Jesus, you have to be obedient, right? Jesus commands us to be baptized. Correct. Yes. He commands us to be baptized in the gospel. So this is what I tell people: it's not necessary for salvation. Baptism does not save you. All right. Only faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone saves you. All right. That is like Protestant Reformation right there. Okay. But I would argue that baptism is necessary for obedience. Yes. Does that make sense? I agree with that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like, I think that it's a requirement to be obedient to the gospel, to the call of the gospel. So does that mean that you can be saved and not be baptized? Yes. But then I would also ask you, like if somebody came to me, okay, let's just say Luke, I'm going to use Luke for example. Let's say that I'm sitting here at Jerry's pharmacy where I used to work and I'm down there hanging out at the Alabama City watering hole, okay? And I'm just hanging out, and I'm talking, and Luke comes in and goes, well, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been baptized. I would say, why? Like, why had you resisted that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because to me, they go hand in hand. To be saved means you should follow the Lord and believers' baptism. So it's necessary for your obedience. Now, as Baptists, though, what makes the distinctive about what we believe as Baptists with baptism? So the different mode of baptism, yeah. we believe in immersion. Okay, what's that mean? Like immersion, like explain that to me like I'm five. You must be dunked into the water. All right, dunked. Think dunking booth yeah, think at the of, carnival. Well, man, I mean, shoot, that, that that's a great COVID baptism, yes. right? And so, but I mean, but like lower down into the water, yes. right? Yes. Fully submersed into the waters. It's symbolic, goes back to Romans 6, 4. Um, I've actually got it pulled up here. I'm yeah. going to read it. It says, this is Paul writing, he says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Oftentimes when you're at a Baptist church and you see a baptism, we repeat a version of that verse. Mm -hmm. We say, I bear you, my brother or my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Jesus has commanded us to do, so that you are buried to death in baptism as you get submersed into the water. It's symbolic of your old self, the sin in your life being put to death, and as you come back up out of the water, you're being raised to walk in that newness of life. Yes. You are putting on the new self. You are a new being in Jesus. Yes, 100%, man. And I think that that's one thing that, like, you know, is what sets us apart. We only baptized, we should only baptize professing believers. Yes. Does that make sense? What do you mean, Tyler? You may be going, Tyler, what, what do you mean that we only baptize professing believers? Well, a baby, okay, can't make a profession of faith, right? A baby cannot make a profession of faith. They can't speak for themselves. They can't speak for themselves. They cannot make that profession of faith. And so other Protestant denominations would baptize an infant, okay? And listen, they have their own understanding and their own hermeneutic of why they do that. When I say hermeneutic, it's the way they interpret the scriptures. Um, I think that that hermeneutic is flawed. All right. I personally don't. Now, this is not an issue where we're going to not see them in heaven. Okay. I genuinely right. believe that they that they are in Christ. We are united in the essentials. But on this very important issue, we are divided. That's why we don't, you know, worship with people on Sunday mornings. Now, we can worship at other gatherings, but we don't worship on Sunday mornings with a Presbyterian brother or with a Methodist brother or a Methodist sister. That's what the second tier issues that yes, we talked about last exactly. week. Exactly. And baptism is just one that, as a Baptist church, is a distinctive for us. Right. Because we baptize professed believers. All right? Only those who can make a credible profession of faith should be baptized. And so, and now, that's also how you join our church. Right? Yes. That's also how you join our church. When you join our church, you must either be baptized by immersion or have been baptized by immersion at another like-minded church. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I think that so many times a lot of people get kind of confused, like, well, Baptists do this. Well, no, that's that. essentially, I mean, you can go and read the Baptist faith and message. That is what the um, doctrinal statement for the Southern Baptist Convention says about baptism for us. You must be baptized as a profession so that you can come to be a part and enjoy church membership with us. And in our church, that's what we believe. So if you've been baptized as an infant and you want to join our church, we would encourage you highly to consider being baptized by immersion because we believe that it's the most obedient way to be baptized. Now, there are extreme circumstances, right? I think I saw, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the theological triage episode where there was that man who could not be baptized by immersion due to certain issues. There was a Baptist church that baptized him by pouring water over his head. I think that there are, there are like extraordinary circumstances that yes. this can happen. But out of obedience standards, you should be baptized by immersion. All right. You, now, now, you mentioned the Bible. All right. This is where I always like go, um, go to. You know, especially when it comes to like sprinkling and things, because like, you mm-hmm. know, other denominations they sprinkle the water. Um, now and they have like historical like understanding for why they do that. Like, I mean, there's the uh, the Didache, which is like the um, one of the earliest Christian writings. So it's from like 80, 90 A.D. I mean, like 50 years after Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, really early Christian writing it talks about the way to baptize. You know, the proverbial is immersion, but you can also do it by pouring. You can do it these things. They had their reasons of why they did that. They didn't have like you know. 
some of the places didn't just have lakes around. Some of the places right. they didn't have baptistries in the church. Now it's really neat. And some of these like older churches, you actually walked through the baptistry to get into the church. Hmm. Now, you, now the thing is, is like you walked through, it wasn't always full of water. So like you weren't like soaking wet at church every Sunday, but it was like a symbol of in order to join our church, you must walk through the baptistry. You yeah. must walk through the baptismal waters. But anyway, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. All right. Now, once again, Acts is not prescriptive all the time. It is most of the time descriptive. All right. When I say prescriptive, that means that it does not prescribe us things to do, but it describes what happened. But I want to read the story. All right. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he explains the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip does. This is what the Ethiopian eunuch says. And as they were going along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Notice, believes in the gospel, wants to be baptized. That's the order. Believes in the gospel, he's saved, wants to be baptized to be obedient. And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, all right? So listen, it would not make any sense if he went down into the water dipped his hand and then sprinkled it. All right. The Greek word there, baptismo, baptizo, I mean, literally means to immerse. It means to dunk. All right. That is what we, I mean, that is where we get it from. Matthew three with Jesus's baptism. And when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water. All right. So that means that it implies that is, there's an implication there that he was lowered into the water. If so, you should come up out of the water. Right. Okay. And so that is why we believe in baptism by immersion. All right. It is a Baptist distinctive. It is what we hold to here. at 12th street Baptist church. Luke, you got anything you want to add to that? Not other than the fact of why would you just want to do anything other than what Jesus said? Yeah. Man, it's I mean, my opinion. Yeah. And there may be somebody listening to this that has not been baptized yet. And I pray that maybe the Holy spirit's worked in your heart and stirred your heart and said, it's the same thing as the idea of Munich. What is preventing me from getting baptized? Mm-hmm. What is preventing me from getting baptized right now in this moment? Absolutely nothing. We will fill our horse trough up today. All right. And we will, I mean, we'll fill it up Sunday. Not today. I mean, we can do it today if you want to. We, we, we got enough people here. And so um, we can do it today. We can, I can meet you at the coast. It's kind of cold today. Um, speaking of, what the heck did this cold weather come from? All right. It is freezing. There outside. were snow flurries in the subway parking lot earlier. Oh, no, no. The white death. Anyway, I'll meet you at the Kusa. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we will baptize you wherever you prefer to be baptized. We will celebrate as a local church your obedience and following the Lord and his obedience. So we would tell you, hey, get baptized today. All right? And in the words of my good friend, Jared Kernut, stay Baptist, my friends. We will see you guys next week on the ReCharge Podcast. <laughs>